Welcome to another grab bag episode of the Race and Tyler Talk Wikipedia podcast. This episode is like a 4th of July potluck. It's got a little bit of everything. We've compiled seven mini conversations about Wikipedia pages that need to be heard, but are too short for a normal episode. So roll up your sleeves, pile your plate high with knowledge, and join us as we dip our hands into the grab bag with our special guest, Ryder Hadlock. You're listening to Race and Tyler Talk Wikipedia, episode 35, Grab Bag, part two. Okay, here we are to start a very special podcast episode because, Tyler, we are in the same room. Hey, uh, we can high five right now. <laughs> hope the audio picks that up. <laughs> this is the first time we haven't been on our phones um, a thousand miles away from each other. And um, we also have a special guest with us today, Ryder. Say hello. Hi. We can also high-five. There we go. <laughs> so, Ryder's with us, um, and today is another grab bag episode, so we're all going to pitch in and talk about um, fun little bite-sized topics. But to, before we get started, we're going to have a get-to-know-you question. I stole this one from Stephen Colbert um, from his show, and the question is simply, what's the best sandwich? Tyler? The best sandwich is definitely the hot Italian sub at Potbelly's. It has the trio of meats, like salami and pepperoni and all that stuff. And then, like, the Italian herbs and spices, throw some hot peppers on there, and the whole sandwich is served warm, which, in my opinion, is the only way to serve a sandwich. Cold. Any sandwich? Yeah, any sandwich has to be served warm. Like a hot peanut butter and jelly? Peanut butter and jelly toasts the bread. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Tuna sandwich, toast the bread. Okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe the tuna's not itself hot, but, but like, like a toasted... we're not doing cold bread out of the fridge. <clears throat> okay. Could you, would you accept it from somewhere besides Potbelly if it's a similar... Firehouse has a pretty good Italian sub, and if it's like a local joint, great. Also that good. sounds good, okay. but uh, Subway does not cut it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place I get sandwiches. It's Subway? <laughs> yeah. It's the only place near us, so... Oh, oh, young Padawan. Oh, that's true. Wait, have we mentioned where we are right now? <laughs> no, yeah. So we're recording from Eager, Arizona. Tyler came up for the 4th of July. We talked about it a little bit in our last episode. <clears throat> so you can be excused for not eating at Potbelly's because there's not a Potbelly's within three You haven't miles. known <laughs> the goodness of Potbelly's. Um, so my answer for the best sandwich is a Reuben. Have you ever had a Reuben? No. So a Reuben is... <clears throat> Pastrami, which is like an aged salted meat, sauerkraut. There's like a thousand island dressing on there. Uh, are there pickles? It seems like there might sometimes be pickles. Oh, yeah. And on uh, like a Jewish rye, like an oniony Jewish rye bread. And it's also um, typically served hot. And because the pastrami is hot, I think, yeah. I don't think they heat the sandwich, like they don't cook this, but um, any place I go, if there's a Reuben, not any place. But mo- if there's a Reuben on a restaurant on a restaurant menu, I'm probably gonna try it. I love them so much. I think they're so good. It's to the point that, that like even a bad Reuben is pretty good for me. Like <laughs> even if it's not that great, I want to eat it. And I can also attest that um, Subway briefly ma- did a Reuben. Did they really? Yeah, and I did. I I did it, and 
It wasn't. <laughs> it was worth passing on. We're never going to get sponsored by Subway. No, Subway, if you're listening, you do no, great you. outreach. You're everywhere in the country. Literally everywhere, but... And here's the thing. Like, a turkey turkey sub with some Swiss cheese on you it from Subway is fine. Yeah, uh-huh. but, Swiss cheese. But if you're, if you're looking to go to the next level... With the eggs... I mean, we're not doing eggs. Hey, there are eggs. They, have, on, they yeah. do? <laughs> they have <laughs> eggs at Subway. Oh, yeah. I'm not interested in that. They remember have they eggs had at Subway. Subway? Remember they had Subway in Guatemala? And I've heard oh. that it's everywhere. It was in the uh, the Atanasio Sur. Was there a Subway there? there? Yeah, there's a Subway oh. there. And I've heard that it's there everywhere because there's no equipment. There's no deep fryer. There's no it's oven. Easy. There's literally yeah. like one toaster oven. And then it's just fresh ingredients. And yeah. so it's easy to train people. It's easy to, like, it's just really easy to put places. Whereas, like, KFC, you have to send deep fryers. Yeah. People have to know how to use those. You have to have an oil supplier. Chefs and All stuff. that stuff, yeah. you know, so. I'm pretty sure the answer to, like, which fast food restaurant has the most locations open, I think the in answer Subway. is. I think that's, yeah. that's true. They're, ev- they're everywhere. I don't know how our discussion of the greatest sandwiches in the world brought us to subway but hey, yeah, all roads <laughs> um wait where do you get your rubens is there a place that you so the best go? one that i had i had one in um in chicago oh. oh at that place called hackney's that we were talking yeah. about uh-huh. um and it was fabulous i haven't been to like did I get one in New York? I might have gotten one in New York. I want to go to like Cat's Delicatessen, like a real or Cantor's in LA. Yeah, or Cantor's, yeah. like a, a really good Jewish deli, and yeah. get get a, a a Reuben, like a nice pastrami sandwich. But like I said, I'll just I'll take one wherever. If if it's like a restaurant that I think is gonna make a good a good plate of food, and they've got a Reuben, I'm probably gonna get it. Right. I think they're so good. All right, Ryder, what's the best sandwich? Well, I only have Subway sandwiches. Well, but that, <laughs> but... You've, that you've made yourself yeah. is an option that you would like mm-hmm. to eat. I don't know. I just like turkey sandwiches with jalapenos on them. Oh, that's an interesting Pickled jalapenos mixture. or are they fresh? Just, just normal jalapenos. Normal jalapenos. Just so wait, spicy. but like you take like a like a jalapeno from the grocery store and chop it up or like a jalapeno from like a can or something? Or do you get Not sure. When I go to Subway, like, I'll get it toasted and stuff, and then With I'll ask for jalapenos, jalapenos on it. Because yeah. those ones from Subway would probably be pickled, they right? Use, they might use fresh ones. I can't remember. I think they're fresh. If they're, like, crispy, those are the fresh yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I always get Swiss cheese on it. Swiss cheese? That's an interesting yeah. combo. I, get it I toasted. can respect that. And toasted. Yeah. You're with Tyler, but it's yeah. got to be toasted. Got to be toasted. It's, um, it's not as good. Yeah. I, uh, I like pickled jalapenos a lot. Oh, I love pickled jalapeno. I love fresh jalapenos. Yeah, too. I do. Yeah. yeah, a pickled jalapeno is like it's just a little bit vinegary and like mm-hmm. kind of and salty and juicy. It's because it's in a, been in the liquids. So I can't think stuff. about pickled jalapenos without nachos. To me, those are like like inseparable. at, the, at like yeah. a ball game and that fake orange mm-hmm. cheese mm-hmm. and throw some pickled jalapeno coins. So tasty. Um, I asked this question somebody to somebody recently, and their answer was, "This is, I thought maybe you would do this." said, what's the best sandwich? And they said, an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so for today's episode, like we've already said, today's a grab bag episode, meaning that we're going to share shorter topics, um, fun little bite-sized stories that couldn't be an episode on its own, but that definitely deserves sharing. And because we're going to have so many topics going um, in our discussion today, as we transition between topics, we're going to play the same game we played last time, which is... We have to create on the fly a transition between the topic that went before you and then your topic. So I'm going first, so I don't have to do it yet. 
But after I'm done talking and Ty, it's Tyler's turn, he's going to have to come up with some sort of transition between my topic and his topic, try and tie them together even though they have nothing to do with each other. So that's the... I'm, I'm all in. The transition it's a game great challenge. <laughs> um, so to start off, I've got the first topic, and I'm going to talk to you about the National Eagle Repository. The National Eagle Repository is um, outside of Denver, Colorado, and it's a building that is full of dead eagles. And dead, dead bald eagles, dead golden eagles. And the reason that this exists is because for many decades, the eagle um, has been protected, not just the bald eagle because it's our national symbol, but also golden eagles because eagles um, have been endangered throughout history. Um, bald eagle numbers are actually climbing really steadily, but um, it happened since the 70s. We eliminated a pesticide that deteriorated their oh, eggshells. Okay. Have you ever heard of DDT? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like in that song, the parking lot song? Uh-huh, yeah. And spots on my apples. DDT. Yeah. Don't give me your DDT. Yeah. Anyway, that was like, it would melt. So it would get into the waterways. The fish would get it in their systems. The eagles would eat the fish, and then it would, like, their eggshells were just mm -hmm. so thin that they couldn't. Thank you, Joni Mitchell. Thank you, Joni Mitchell. Eagle population. Well, once again. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, so, but back in when the eagle population was struggling, and because it's the national bird, it's illegal to, obviously, to hunt an eagle. It's illegal to kill an eagle. And it's actually illegal to possess a dead eagle. And you can kind of imagine why. Because you could just be like, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> I found this dead eagle. So under no circumstances are you allowed to, um, to possess a dead eagle or its parts. Can you imagine who that might be a problem for? Who might have a vested interest in having some dead eagle parts for symbolic purposes? I have no idea. Native Americans. Mm -hmm. So they wrote this law and then didn't give any wiggle room for like, well, what about Native Americans who've used eagle feathers in their ceremonies for all these years? So in the 90s, um, so after the legal protection of the bald eagle, Native Americans had no access to feathers and other parts of birds that they needed for certain religious and cultural activities. And the best example is like the war bonnets. Can you picture those? The, the really long mm -hmm. headdresses. Those are all eagle feathers. So like dozens of eagle feathers. So an executive memo issued in 1994 from the president declared that all federal agencies are obliged to send dead eagles to the repository. So in theory, any agency, obviously the Forest Service is probably going to find dead eagles either dead in the, in the woods or like poached or they might, yeah. um, even people will poach an eagle and then get arrested for it and then they you know, the they police seized, have this dead yeah. bird. Anyway, any dead eagle that is found by any agency in the federal government mails it to this building in Denver where the eagles are processed, the feathers are processed, and you can go, if you're an enrolled member of a tribe, on the website, I was on it this morning, you can see the wait times for how long it's going to take, and you can order eagle parts for religious purposes, <laughs> oh including, so you can get, like, juvenile feathers and adult feathers, you can oh. get, I think they called them, um, like quality feathers and then miscellaneous feathers so if you need like big wing feathers for like a dramatic display or just like smaller ones for something else so there's like an order form you can <laughs> for eagle parts only if you're an enrolled member and my biggest question about all this is what do people who work there say they do for a living yeah. <laughs> because you couldn't tell people like i just sit and chop up dead eagles all day that's just a weird job but that's the national repository that's pretty awesome. I wonder if it was, um, like, originally, if it was a crime to kill an eagle in Native American culture, did they only accept, like, fallen eagle parts, or... Or could you hunt one? Are you allowed mm -hmm. to hunt them? Oh, that's a great question. I know, I saw a Q&A section on the website, 
And I know that if like a native person find, I, th I don't think a, a native person could hunt an eagle. I don't oh, think. Oh, okay. But I do know that if a native person finds a dead eagle on the reservation, like on tribal land, that <coughs> there's like, for the most part, they can just keep it. They don't have to go order it because it's like, well, I'm entitled to these feathers anyways. And I found it so I can keep it. Whereas if I found a dead eagle in the forest, I couldn't take it home. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. what I'm wondering is before America, before even government, that, you know, if there was like a taboo against. Because I think mm -hmm. in Guatemala with Mayan society, I think it was a crime to kill a quetzal, a quetzal which yeah. is a very similar idea. It's a similar sacred idea. bird with beautiful feathers. Uh huh. And that I think historically was always a crime to kill, and you could only pick up fallen feathers, but. I might be wrong. I, I would. I wouldn't be surprised if that was. Yeah. I mean, considering the very limited knowledge I have, but like the reverence for the animals, you're not going to eat an eagle. And yeah. So I wonder <laughs> if it was just like picking it up. That's a good question. I would like to go visit this place. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, how good are you at imitating the sound of an eagle? Can you do that, like bird calls? That's my best. <laughs> Eagles make some very interesting sounds as they fly around and hunt animals, etc. But you know who else made really interesting <laughs> sounds? Uh, is the character of Mario in the Mario games. Correct. And all the characters associated. I think Toad. Go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Toad, Yoshi, those are all very interesting sounds. And did you know the man who has played Mario has always played him since the very first Mario game. In every game. Every Mario game that has ever come out since the first one, his name <laughs> is Charles Martinet. Okay. He is an actor of French descent who lived in Barcelona for a minute Whoa. and now is, like, an American citizen, I think. I think he lives in California. He's, like, 60 years old. I guess he probably would have been, like, 30 at the time of the first. Have they only been around? I was going to say how... It's probably, like, yeah. 30 years, right? 80s? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or I'm 30. Years? I've been around since Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but no more than 40. So no he, more than 40. But if he was a young guy, 20 yeah. or something, got a job, okay. I assume they have every word he's ever said on record now so that they when he make... passes away, they can make future Mario games. Okay. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Writer, is Mario, like... Do you play Mario? Is that a Gen Z thing? or Ryder is representing the Gen yeah. Z on this podcast <laughs> today, by the way. Do you like, play Mario games? Yeah. Okay. What games do you play? Uh, Mario Kart. Okay. And then my friend has like an old Nintendo 64, mm -hmm. and we'll play the original Mario games at his house. So Let's I have see. played those. Okay. So all of those it's would all the still same be guy. Charles. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> Charles Martinet. And can you, Matt, can you think of, if we're talking about Mario, Luigi... Wario and Waluigi. Guess which ones this guy also does the voice for. Any guesses? All of them. He does all of yeah. their voices. Wow. And they sound pretty different. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I always thought, you know, maybe he would play one or two, but all four? I mean, Wario. <laughs> well, and that's like quite a job, too. Like, he's had the same job for 40 years. For 40 years. A very yeah. popular job. Like, I wonder... And that's interesting for their perspective, too. They don't have, like, a cast of voice actors. No. It's like, we hired this one guy in 1987. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the others, I think uh, Peach and Daisy, like, the lady characters, I think those rotate. They go through, like, a cycle yeah. of different actors, but... Yeah, I wouldn't notice if Peach's voice changed a little, but Mario's, yeah. you would notice, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's crazy. Hers isn't that recognizable, yeah. I would say. No, it's not, not as, as recognizable. Much as Mario. No. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I don't know who the Yoshi actor is, but I'd be interested in meeting the Yoshi. Is that actor. even a person? It might not be a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah, that was kind of like something yeah. like you could do with you know. Who's your yeah. Who's your go to Mario Mario Kart character? Oh, Toad. Toad is fast. Probably Diddy Kong. Oh, love Diddy. You're a bruiser. Mm-hmm. I'm a Toad man too. He's got a fast Always car. Always been a Toad man. <laughs> the small guys have fast cars too, though. Diddy yeah. Kong, the son of Donkey Kong, correct? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Diddy so Kong he's the little. Oh, right, hasn't of always been playable. Right. Donkey Kong originally was right. like. Or so Yoshi, so which has the same cars. Oh, Yoshi's yeah, pretty good. So we all go for the small, quick. I mean, I would. Well, like... there's like small, medium, and large, and right. like Yoshi's like in the Yoshi's medium. medium. Oh, okay, same with okay. Diddy Kong. Who have you ever met who plays as Bowser? Like that's their go-to. Like, they would be, be a like, criminal. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think I've used him before, but he's not that good. <laughs> he's not that good, right? I do, like cars are slow. I do like that it's kind of weighted. It's like, you're going to be Bowser, you're going to be heavy, you're not going to drive as fast, but you destroy anyone you Yeah, and if I you like have momentum going, you have, like, good then control. you're going pretty yeah. fast. Yeah. yeah. But then Toad, he's going to get destroyed being hit by somebody, but he's quick. So it's, <laughs> like, it's like the lion-gazelle problem. Like, the lion is way tougher, but it, you know... Yeah, I, I, I like the balance where yeah. it's like yeah. they're not just all going to get wiped out. There's like uh-huh. a, a tit for tat kind of thing. So I like that. Yeah. Well, we'll bless Mr. Um, <laughs> May he have a, ha- a long, happy life. Yeah. I think he has a wonderful job. <laughs> I wonder if when he dies, if they'll, like you said, keep using his voice or replace or maybe him with switch around. We will see. So, Donkey Kong is brown and slow, just like my next topic, which is the Great Molasses Flood (laughs) from 1919. So, there was this big, like, storage, like, tank thing full of 2.3 million gallons of molasses. It was owned by a company called the Purity Distilling Company in Boston, and they used it to make, like, ethanol to then make alcohol. Yeah, I read that molasses is a byproduct of alcohol. Oh, it's not of sugar? No, well, they use it to make the alcohol. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. part of the sugar... Pro- I thought yeah. it was like the sugar refining process. and it's the Well, I think it is. I think you can... Like, you start with sugar cane, mm-hmm. and you get mol- like you get molasses, mm-hmm. and then you keep refining the molasses, and you eventually end up and you with, have alcohol with and ethanol. Because, like, ethanol. like, there's yeah. sugar cane cars in Brazil that run on ethanol, ethanol. from sugar cane. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So I was so, I read a little bit about this topic, and I was surprised to see it. It was, a, it was like a brewing company. Like yeah. A, like a whiskey company or something. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, they, like had this big tank and it was faulty it leaked a little bit but one like hot summer day it decided to explode <laughs> and it exploded like kind of like it, all the metal just shot out everywhere huh? and the molasses just rushed through the streets and it went like 35 miles an hour and so it's pretty hard to get away from they didn't have like cars to drive away from or anything but it killed and Boston's them like a very compact kind of yeah, city. So. Especially back then, I imagine it would have been... 1919, people and are just walking around. Yeah. yeah, walking around. And, like, if you think about where this would have happened, this wasn't in, like, a... Probably in, like, a neighborhood, because it was, like, a big factory. Mm-hmm. So it was probably, like, downtown where people were working, and there were, like... Yeah. It said, like, the stuff, north you know? end of Boston. The north end, okay. But, um... And do you know what time of day it was? It said around, like, t- 1230. Everyone's like, out. Yeah. yeah, no one's like in the just hottest part of day, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. so that was probably why. And yeah. Boston gets hot, too. Yeah. Huh. 
But so, you know, people were just walking and then they see all this molasses flooding at them. 35 miles an hour. It killed 21 people and injured 150 that were non-fatal injuries. So we did some math before this because you told me how many millions of gallons? 2.3 million. I can't picture that. No. But we did the math. And if you can picture an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which is like... Big. Three times the size of like a normal swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. And like super long. So a huge... Yeah. A huge Olympic swimming pool, if you can picture that. How many was it? It was like three and a half Olympic swimming pools. Of those of molasses. (laughs) And you got to imagine... But in one tank. In one tank. And it was probably tall. Mm -hmm. So it like came... I I mean, it just would have had to have been so much for it to have not just been like... Oh, there's molasses all over my like up to my knees. Yeah, that wouldn't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. So no. it, it's it's like an unfathomable. Yeah, it was going fast enough to like knock them down, and then they would get stuck, oh. just in the molasses. Nothing they can do. That's a pretty. That seems like a pretty bad way to die. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to think about physics that are so. They only apply on a grand scale, so that on the day to day we don't see them. Like if you're pouring molasses out of a jar. You're like, oh, this goes pretty slowly, like honey or whatever. Mm-hmm. No one is ever in a position to say, how oh, many miles per <laughs> how many miles per hour would molasses go if we had a ton of it, you know? Yeah, 35 like, miles an hour? Yeah, and once you scale stuff up like that, I mean, it... Uh-huh. That's scary. Um, the flood does have a three names. It has... Let me find them real quick. It says, the Great Molasses Flood, which everyone basically knows about that knows the story... The Boston Molasses Disaster, or I like this one, the Boston Molassacre. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how do they know that it was going that, like, how would you estimate the speed of the molasses, oh, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know how they Yeah, that so out? in 2016, some Harvard students did some tests with it. Like, they got, like, old 1919 newspapers and old weather maps and just a bunch of old stuff from that time period. And then they made, like, a scale model of Boston and got, like, a certain amount of molasses, like, as in comparing to, to the scale, scale model. Scale and then they, uh, like, rushed it through the scale model, and they said that the what the newspaper said was accurate on the speed and stuff. Oh, wow. Actually. They reported it at the time. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine the cleanup? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did it go into the sewers? Like, and clog the sewers? a great question. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it wreaked havoc on everything. Like, yeah. you couldn't have driven on those roads for a few days. No. It would have been just like a tar. <laughs> yeah. And I think I read that like for decades after people said you could smell molasses in the Yeah, streets. on hot days that they could smell it. It still smelled, the street smelled like sweet like molasses. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there were worse smells, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could have been the great like I don't know, vinegar. <laughs> manure. Rush. Yeah, the manure. <laughs> the manure <laughs> the flood. The manassacre. <laughs> the manassacre. But, yeah, that's the Great Molasses Flood. Well, our next topic has a logical connection that I'm not going to use. <laughs> so our next topic is the Waffle House Index. You can imagine. You can imagine why I might take that. But what I'm going to say is... Um, a molasses flood sounds pretty dangerous. Something else that, or, and oh, if you need to figure out how dangerous a situation is in a city, you can use the Waffle House <laughs> Index. So we can, maybe at the end of this, we can decide what we think the Waffle House Index would have been for Boston after this massacre. So, 
A Waffle House index is an informal metric used by the former FEMA head, and FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Administration, mm -hmm. uh, this guy named Craig um, Fugate. And he came up with this system. Um, and as, as the director of FEMA, it's your job to say, okay, do we need to send money? Do we need to send trucks? Do we need to send personnel to this place to help like the citizens rebuild or whatever so just recently there's been this really tragic collapse of the condo building in florida and i'm pretty sure fema has been involved i think they've sent like cranes and stuff mm -hmm. so that's the purpose the federal government has a bunch of <coughs> emergency equipment and people and experts and when something bad happens they send it so if there's a hurricane they're like all right we're sending fema to go do whatever right that's the idea on paper anyways now, this guy's job, the head, whoever the head of the, of the FEMA is, it's your job to figure out who needs this. Like, is this a real emergency? Do we need to just send a couple trucks? Do we need to send everything we've got, you know? After Hurricane Katrina, it was like, we have to send every, you know, we're pulling out all the stops because it was so, so terrible. And so Mr., uh, this Craig man, um, he had to evaluate how affected a community is and what kind of help is necessary. His solution? call the Waffle House. So Waffle House is an actual restaurant, mm -hmm. not just like any place that serves waffles. And Waffle House is famous for being, um, they are open 24 hours. They like, you know, and you can imagine a Waffle House at three in the morning is probably like, you're probably going to get a bunch of drunk people. Yeah. <laughs> so Waffle House is like hardcore. They're not going to close. They can put up with all sorts of stuff. And his theory is that if a Waffle House is open, you keep driving. So if you're following the path of a, of a tornado mm -hmm. and the Waffle House is open, the city's okay. okay. They, they probably <laughs> don't need that much help. If the Waffle House is damaged but serving a limited menu, then the community does need help. But if it's closed, <laughs> <laughs> things have gotten pretty real in that city <laughs> and the situation is really bad and needs the most attention. So this was never formally adopted. And if you call, like journalists will call FEMA and be like, do you use the Waffle House Index? And they'll say... Mr. Fugate, who no longer works there, that was his personal system. It's not officially endorsed, but I think it should be. It's an, it sounds like an excellent system. It's very practical. Like, yeah. he recognized that, like, sometimes he'd come in and people were like, it's terrible. And he's like, well, the Waffle Houses seems to be, they seem to be able to get the ingredients they need. People can come to work. The electricity is obviously on because they can cook everything they need. So that's a good, just like, kind of all in one, it's a place where you can sample several elements people can get around there's electricity all that stuff but if you can't open up a waffle house it means some serious infrastructure <laughs> stuff has gone wrong and so um what do you think Ryder? after the molasses flood if he'd gone to boston had there been waffle houses in 1919 would would he have said we need to send in help or would the waffle houses have been fine no, they would have been fine. They would have used the molasses. <laughs> they would have had extra ingredients. You could have just reached down and slathered your waffle and gone on. I think yeah. you're probably right. So that is the uh, FEMA Waffle House Index. Beautiful. How long has Waffle House been around? It's a good question. For, uh, 30, 40 years, I would bet at 30 least. 30 or 40 years. I've never actually been to Waffle House. I haven't either. Uh -huh. Sounds like uh, I hop. I've heard that it's great. It's like very, um, just like, like very home, you know, kind of comfort food, really authentic. Sounds like the waffle, waffle version of IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> right. We yeah. could do our next uh, live episode at a Waffle House, probably. Oh, that's <laughs> a great idea. So let's look. 55, 1955. 1955, okay, so that's pretty so you old. you my dad was born, yeah. 
Um, it's not as old, though, as Hoshi Ryokan, okay. which is a hotel in Japan that has been operating for a lot longer than Waffle House. Oh, boy. Do you want to take a stab at I'm so what excited. year it opened? Okay. If, it's, oh. if Tyler's talking about it, it's obviously been open a ridiculous amount of time for a hotel. Japan has really good records. We know a lot about ancient, ancient Japan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's probably older than I'm guessing. Oh, and a question I, I have guess... is how consistent has their uh, character system stayed? Like, oh, is ancient Japanese as readable as modern Japanese? Yeah, mm -hmm. not that the character switch. Not to give any hints. But it's got to be ancient, right? <laughs> You're not going to be like, this hotel was opened in 1880. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to say... I'm going to say a thousand years. I'm going to say that in the year I'm gonna 1000. I'm going to try and get closer and get a thousand one hundred. Oh, that's... Oh, price is right move. Yeah. I respect, I respect that. that. Yeah. <laughs> You're very close. This hotel was opened in 718. <laughs> <laughs> and is still open today. Wow. It, for a long, long, long time, was thought to be the oldest operating business in the world. And then only recently, like a couple of years ago, the title got taken by another hotel that opened like two or three years prior Before. to this. Mm -hmm. So some pretty old hotels in Japan. <laughs> if you had talked to Christopher Columbus and said, you should go stay at this hotel, he'd be like, that hotel's 800 it's years old. <laughs> yeah. I'm not staying there. This wow. hotel is contemporary with Alfred the Great that we talked Ooh, about we on this. About. I, it's probably a little bit older than Alfred so the Great. Before England was England enough to be to have like a king that we recognize. Yeah. <laughs> there was a hotel that was like leaving mints yeah. on the hill in Japan. Holy cow. Every business I've ever worked for, you hear the history and it's like, oh, we started in nineteen ninety five or whatever. But imagine <laughs> going and applying for a job at Hoshiryokan and you get hired and then they're like, Oh yeah, my boss and his boss and their boss and all the way back And then to there was the, the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, like, I wonder how how much of, like, a consistent... If, is there any, like, feeling that stuff has survived? Does that make is sense? Or if it's just, like, this building has <clears throat> been a hotel for this long, like, yeah. we know it used to be? Or is it, like, no, it's always been called this, or it's always been, like... What about the wood hmm. on the doors? Or, uh, yeah. Like, how, I'm sure the beds are not that old. I'm sure they replaced <laughs> the beds. How much has it been but, restored? Yeah, yeah, like, what level of... <clears throat> I mean, hopefully the sheets have been changed. <laughs> but... It's a hotel. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's electricity. I mean, I would imagine yeah, it's I a modern so. hotel it's to some extent. extremely beautiful. It looks like one of those, like, resort getaways. I think hoteling in Japan is kind of different. It's like a spa yeah. experience. Sure. I mm -hmm. may be making that up, but uh, it's so beautiful. Pictures of it are just incredible. And so. people have been... And yeah, like, what? how have the rates changed? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Do you think they so, use different money systems? Well, that's I what guess. I was yeah. say. Like, you know how if you go to a restaurant, there'll be like a framed dollar, and it was like this was our first dollar. Yeah. I wonder if they're like, do you see the sloth bone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was bartered in se the year seven hundred. This was back before we had steel and right. coins. Yeah. This is, a, this, is a, this is a wooden tablet that says, "I will pay you." <laughs> But I want to go see it. I feel like that's a great, oh, that'd be yeah. fun that's to a see. great um, add-on to a tourist so list. My wife has some family staying in Japan, and we've talked about like we should go visit them. And if we do, I would love to go. Absolutely. That would be like, a cool thing to be able to yeah. stay at the world's oldest hotel. Well, it's very cool that, that hotel 
has the title and the award of oldest hotel in the world. Um, something else that you might be surprised to find has earns itself some titles are animals. Wikipedia has a number of list articles that are like these are the list. There's probably a list for like oldest buildings, right? Oldest companies. Oldest companies. Yeah. yeah. So you could go find that. The lists are all often very fun. You can't go wrong with a list. A list that's like, this is the oldest or the biggest or whatever. Um, There is a list on Wikipedia called List of Animals Who Have Been Fraudulently Awarded Human Credentials. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of those times where, like, I think I broke my mouse. I clicked so fast, you know? I'm going to read the heck out of this. Um, Some of the awards... Um, that are listed on the article include um, professional certification, so like a professional masseuse or like a certified um, hypnotherapist. They also include um, a number of high school diplomas and even a few MBAs. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of these come from... Now, there's there's also a separate category of like, there are some universities who are trying to be cute and they'll give a, like a, a police dog, like they'll give it a doctorate. Oh, okay. A DOG, which <clears throat> is adorable. on purpose. But it's on purpose. They know yeah. it's a dog and it's like a cute thing. It's like an honorary degree for an animal mm-hmm. that like, you know, dragged a firefighter out of a burning building. Yeah. <laughs> but these animals, um, it's usually what happens is there's kind of fraudulent or, um, or, you know, not, um, not legitimate universities and high schools that are often online. They call them diploma mills. They've actually been cracked down a lot on um, in kind of more modern times. But when we were younger, we would see commercials on TV. Uh-huh. Do you remember those that were like, you can get your, like, I, I don't want to besmirch anybody, but I'm pretty sure DeVry has been sued. DeVry and like ACPI? Yeah, That's maybe. Remember, and, and there's yeah. different levels, right? There's some that are just like, they actually, you can actually take classes and it'll take you a few years and you can get a degree but, like, it was a really low quality, and so they were shut down in people's suit. Yeah, okay. These are even worse. Diploma mills are literally just, like, if you mail us $500 and can demonstrate, like, something, we're like, oh, well, you have actual life experience, so here's an associate's degree in, like, general studies. Uh, so, like, okay. oh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a, a son that I take care of, and I, um, I ran a lawn mowing business um, when I was in high school. And they're like, you have life experience... Here's an associate's <laughs> degree and a diploma. It's illegal. Like they, oh, okay. it's like they operate on the, you know, on the down low, and people would use it to get fake stuff so that they could like potentially, you know, fake citizenship or like oh, make themselves look jobs. better, yeah. or just if you don't want to go to school and it's like, well, I want a bachelor's degree, yeah. maybe I can buy one. And sometimes when you read about it, it'll be like, well, here's your bachelor's degree. If you pay us another two hundred dollars, you can get you can graduate with distinction. Oh, <laughs> like with honors, you're on the honor roll. Yeah, yeah. for like for only two hundred more dollars. Um, so often, what will happen is this is going on, and people, to prove a point, how ridiculous this is, will just enroll their pets, and their pets will become certified or graduate in something. Some of these include um, Colby Nolan, who um, earned an MBA and is in fact a tabby cat. <laughs> um, Oreo Collins, the, the tuxedo cat, graduated from high school in Florida. <laughs> and um, Zoe di Katze, which in German is Zoe the cat, oh, which okay. I love. There's some fun, people get clever Maybe. with the names. Like there was, I think there was a Meow Smith. <laughs> um, Zoe de Cat is a um, certified psychotherapist in the United Kingdom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I've never clicked on something so fast. Listed animals <laughs> that have fraudulent human certification. I love that list. 
Were any of those fraudulent animals ever given the title of Pope? You know, I don't think that there's an online papal school. <laughs> but if there was, I would sign my dog up probably and try. There has been at least one Pope in history that may have been given the title fraudulently. This is Pope Joan. And the reason that she wasn't supposed to have the title of Pope is she was a woman. She said <laughs> I spotted that one before you told me, actually. <laughs> she was a lady. And when she got the title of Pope, they didn't realize that she was a lady for oh, over reason. Was she... I, I will, go on, I've got questions. I mean, I don't know what she looked like. I don't think there's a lot of description, but maybe wearing all the miters the and the vestments, it was like, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I'd buy it. She was just really good. And really yeah. Good. Uh -huh. So was she concealing her... She was concealing. She was pretending to be a, a male okay. pope. Um, okay, so it wasn't just she was like, nobody asked, but yeah, she was uh -huh. like actively... Yeah. Well, yeah, if she was already a priest, then she'd been deceiving people That's right. about, her, yeah. about her gender. Okay. The facade came to an end, though, when, as ladies do, she had a child. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, from what I understand about how children come to about, that's a double strike that's for a That's a double Catholic strike priest. for priest. <laughs> she had a child, and, you know, there was just uproar in the Catholic liturgical community. Um, and so they quickly took away the title. I don't know what else they did to Pope Joan because, well, we'll get to that in a second. But um, the tradition says that after Pope Joan, they had to make sure that they were always hiring Ooh. male popes mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole <laughs> system involving a chair with a hole cut out of it <laughs> and something called the test. Sure. <laughs> to make sure that we would never have Accidentally another female have a, pope again. A popette. Yes, another popette. <laughs> The only thing that I don't like about this story is that it's probably fictional. No! It's thought to be just a legend, Maybe a legend. but um, yeah. it's a pretty great story. Well, there's certainly been examples of women who have concealed, like there was a, um, oh, now I'm not going to get them right, maybe we'll put it in a footnote, but like there were women who fought with distinction and like won medals in the Civil War, the American Civil War and the American Revolution. Yeah. And there have been women who've disguised themselves as priests to like uh -huh. be able to participate in oh, something definitely. they felt strongly about, obviously. And so it's probably, it probably comes from that. Like women have done this before and someone was like, what if she became yeah. a pope? Yeah. And uh, although the story is probably fictional, it was still believed for a very long time. I think mm -hmm. at least through the 1800s it was accepted as part of Catholic history, wow. and so it's a recent development that, that it's it like, maybe that's probably is, not is true. based on the legend. Yeah. Wow. Pope Jones. Sounds like Mulan. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that's a good example of, like, an ancient... What year was this? Oh, let's Did it see. happen? 855 to 857. She could have stayed in the hotel. She could have stayed in the hotel. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the hotel was before Pope Jones. She could have said, I'm going to go to this old, old hotel. hotel. <laughs> it's like 150 years old. Our only footnote for this episode is that Ryder points out that the Boston Molassacre actually took place in January, not in the heat of the summer. The colder weather would have caused the molasses to be thicker and less liquidy, making the fact that it rushed through the streets and swallowed up many people that much more astonishing. 
Thanks for listening. If you want to say hi, point out knife sounds in the background, or suggest episode topics, you can reach us at raceandtylertalkwikipedia at gmail.com or on social media under our Race and Tyler Talk Wikipedia accounts. We'll see you next time.